Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023, the 986th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So let's pick up where we left off yesterday, talking about Donald Trump's trial in New York, the case brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James, who, while campaigning, promised that she was going to get Trump. She has been promising to bring down Trump for like five years now. And this is her big moment, her big case. The trial has just begun. She is going after Donald Trump, claiming that he is responsible for forms submitted to banks in the process of applying for loans through his business that misrepresented the value of Trump's properties. 
She says that Donald Trump overstated the value of all of these properties in order to convince the bank, I guess, into giving him more money. But the banks gave him the money. Donald Trump repaid the money he was given. And the banks actually made, according to Trump, $280 million on these investments in the Donald Trump business and Donald Trump the man. The values of all his properties have increased well beyond where he stated them to be about 10 years ago, sometimes more, sometimes less. But the point is, if the value increases, then that's proof that he didn't overstate the value because this current value is above and beyond what he stated. And then there is also the fact that an accounting firm prepared these documents and at the beginning left what they call a worthless clause one and a half pages explaining in detail how the bank should not interpret their claims as to the value of Trump properties as anything more than their personal rough estimate. And if the bank wants to know the value of these properties, then they would need to have them appraised. Every bit of this case falls apart under the weight of its own incompetence. This is true at every stage, statute of limitations, the actual values of the properties, the worthless clause, the fact that there were accountants and the fact that Trump paid back all the money and the banks profited and everybody's happy about it means there's no problem here. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't see a decision against Trump that further highlights our two-tiered system of justice. We may well still see that. The point is to understand what's actually going on so we don't fly off into a blind rage about things we're misunderstanding. As my friend Kyle, just human, often says, understanding is better than reacting. If we understand what's going on, then we don't have to freak out when we see new things occur that we expect, even while the television is telling us that we should be very, very upset. We are seeing the country be awoken by what is happening so that people who have busy lives and are consumed with just getting through the day and showing up at work and doing a good job and finding time to sleep so that they will come to understand what's happening now, at least get the broad strokes. People are waking up to all sorts of realities they may have preferred to avoid. A lot of people have checked out of politics. They think it's toxic and pointless and that they have no control. All of these people need to be brought back into the fold so that their understanding can be increased. And the way their understanding can be increased is by their peers having their understanding increased. So the people that do have the time to be able to track this stuff and be able to understand this stuff and then explain it, that makes it easier for everyone else. It would be great if everyone understood every element of each one of these issues, but that's impossible. And so what's important is letting people know the important things and what they mean. That's the most important part because the television is going to tell them what the television tells them, which is the same thing they've always told them, whatever the regime wants. And the television is going to tell them what all that means and how they should feel about it. But most people are realizing that the television has gotten really disappointing lately. And maybe all those people they weren't listening to in favor of the television who have been right again and again, maybe those are the people who we should tune in with a little bit more. And then maybe they start doing that and they start learning what the television says 
is wrong. We need to go a different direction. We're not going to get them to understand every detail because we don't understand every detail. It's impossible to do that. But they can understand the broad strokes. They can understand that something entirely different than what's on the television is what's taking place in real life. And if they begin to track that thing, then when the potentially disruptive moments occur, because this is a disruptive process, we are in a strange transition. But when those moments occur, they will be mentally and emotionally prepared to deal with them. They will have some understanding of the issue, even if they have rejected it after a small amount of consideration. They'll still know that this other idea was out there. This other idea was possible. They've heard it before. So now when they see it emerge in the real world, they're like, oh, okay, I know what that is. I know I said that that thing was wrong or that that thing was bad or the people who believed in that thing were stupid, but I know what that thing is. I'm capable of understanding that thing because I've already considered it a little bit. That's the sort of transition that we are in right now. And people can make sense of that once they let go of the other thing. And we just need to be there saying, hey, this is not what it seems to be. It's not that we shouldn't care about the two-tiered system of justice as it emerges. It's that something else is going on too. And we need to handle both of those tracks. I've been saying this since January 20th, 2021, when we all watched the fake inauguration. It was as true then as it is now. There are multiple things going on and we need to be able to understand both of them because until people understand the other thing going on that the television is not telling them about, they're going to believe most of that television stuff. So if we're going to communicate with them, we need to understand the television stuff. We don't need to learn all the ins and outs of it, all the details of the fiction, and we don't need to engage with that every day as if it's all real. It's not real, but we need to understand what they're being told so that we can cross that barrier of communication. We need to get them to the point, not where they agree with us, because that might not happen. They're going to be very defensive. They're going to be adamant that they couldn't have possibly been wrong about everything, even though they know. They don't know what they're talking about basically ever. And everything that happens in the world is confusing to them, which is why they ignore it. But we don't need them to agree with us. All we need them to do is understand when that transition takes place, when those jarring moments occur, that there is something else going on and they don't need to react in fear. Hey, just phone that person you called a conspiracy theorist and beg for their forgiveness, and then they'll tell you what's happening. Come on, Kami, you can do that, can't you? Was it really better deciding that you wanted all of your friends to participate in lying about everything to everyone? Was that what you thought was a good idea when you were like, I need to surround myself with only good people. Let me choose all of the people who wear masks in their cars to show everybody that they are supporters of masks, whether or not they work, because ha, we definitely don't want to kill your grandmother. That's what they said while ignoring the fact that people were killing your grandmothers in nursing homes. Isn't that spectacular? And of course, I mention that because all the commies and redeemable commies who may ever listen to this will immediately think, 
I don't need to beg for the forgiveness of those people I called conspiracy theorists and accused of murder. But you do, Kami, you do. See, that's just you being wrong about something again. You should be begging for the forgiveness of the people you called conspiracy theorists, of those people whose censorship you encouraged. That's a violation of human and constitutional rights, communist. Don't you understand you supported that? But let's work our way back to the two-tiered system of justice you also support, the imprisoning of your political opponents, which you also support, Kami. And by the way, you really got to love all the Ron people out there talking about how Trump's going to be in prison, huh? You're going to need us after your orange god goes to prison. Yeah, sure we will, meatball. But hey. Two-tiered system of justice. Let's go. This is Donald Trump walking out of the courthouse yesterday. Well, I think that was very good. That last five minutes was outstanding because the judge essentially conceded that the statute of limitations that uh, we won at the Court of Appeals is in effect. Therefore, about 80% of the case is over. Uh, I was going to come out and say that as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So uh, we think it's very unfair that I don't have a jury. But uh, the judge's last statement was very fair. And if I read it right, I'll let perhaps one of the lawyers speak to it. But Cliff, maybe you'll speak to it if you would. But uh, the way I interpret that and the way everyone else in the room seems to interpret that is that the statute of limitations uh, is a very real thing in this country. And that would be about 80% of this case would be over. Could somebody speak to that, please? Do you want to talk about that? Sure. So based on the judge's comments at the end of the hearing, at the end of the trial today, it would appear that he is agreeing that all of the transactions that closed prior to 2014 are now out of the case. Which is about 80% of the case. And it's also uh, something that we want on appeal but was not accepted by this court, but now seems to be accepted by this court. So Trump mentions that there is no jury in this trial, which means it's basically just up to a corrupt judge whether Donald Trump should lose basically all of his businesses for misstating the values of his properties, overstating the values, even though the values now are higher. And he said to the bank, don't take these values seriously. Now he just addressed the statute of limitations. Day one, statute of limitations. It is confirmed now 80% of the examples in their trial are gone. Letitia James ignored the statute of limitations and the judge has confirmed that the statute of limitations matters. What should we make of that? Well, most people would think, oh, well, does that mean that we don't have a two-tiered system of justice or we do? That's not the right thought to have. The right thought to have is, could Letitia James not have known that the statute of limitations had passed when she brought these particular instances of Donald Trump's fraudulence up? The answer, of course, is that she must have known there would be a statute of limitations issue and she brought them anyway. Now, why would she do that? Is she incompetent? Now, that is an explanation, and it could be the correct explanation. We don't know that. 
this may well be evidence for her incompetence. But if we assume that it's incompetence that would lead her to do something like that, we might miss other potential explanations. Is it possible that someone in her position could be so incompetent and get something like that wrong in such a public way? Well, we did see Fonnie Willis end up releasing the charges in her indictment before the grand jury had officially voted on them. And we've seen this same clown show replicated throughout all of these indictments between Jack Smith and Alvin Bragg and Fonnie Willis. And of course, Letitia Peekaboo James. Could she have not known about the statute of limitations? There's no way. She absolutely must have known it. So is it incompetence or is it something else? Why would all of this have been brought up and put into this case? I don't claim to know the answer to that question, but the answer to that question would tell us a whole lot. Did she simply think that she could pull this one over on the judge, that he would just go along with this 80% of the case whose statute of limitations had passed? Did she think that a New York judge was going to do that? Now, it's entirely possible that she did. And that would be one of the explanations that, you know, has something to say about competence. I suppose she could have made a mistake there and that would maybe indicate incompetence. But the fact that she might have thought that in the first place would mean that she was dependent on a two tiered system of justice in order to take down Trump and that the judge would be an equal participant in that two tiered system of justice. Now, this judge so far has seemed to be an equal participant in that two tiered system of justice, accepting a value for Mar-a-Lago of $18 million. And again, you have to love how this is being exposed in public. People are talking about this. $18 million for Mar-a-Lago. Rich liberals don't believe that. They don't believe it at all. They know better because they know how real estate values work. They know there's no way Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million while comps next door are like $40 million for less than half the size, a fraction of the space without the magnificent views on the coastline and without any of the history. It's preposterous to assume that Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million and they all know it. And I know people think, yeah, but they'll go along with everything. They'll believe it just because they hate Trump. No, they will repeat it because they hate Trump. They don't believe it because they know it's wrong. They'll repeat it because they are signaling. They'll repeat it because they want other people to repeat it back to them so that they can believe the New York courts are going to take down Donald Trump. They will do all of that stuff, but they don't actually believe that Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million. They cannot possibly believe that. They're dumb, they're liars, but they're not dumb enough to believe that. And that's what makes it very strange that the judge would say he believes that. And they were warned. As I relayed from Trump's deposition yesterday, Trump said at his deposition in April that they would bring witnesses who will attest to Mar-a-Lago being worth $1.25 billion to $1.5 billion and potentially more. And the witness they're bringing is this guy Moens from Palm Beach, Florida, the number one high net worth real estate broker down there. A billion dollars of deals he's made since the beginning of the pandemic. And he says he could find buyers 
who would pay $1.25 billion to $1.5 billion for Mar-a-Lago. That means that is its value. It's not $18 million because someone gives some relative tax assessment. And isn't it funny? That's the news that broke first about the value of Mar-a-Lago. So all of the people out there who are utterly Trump deranged, total worshipers of the regime, worshipers of the authoritative source, they all said to themselves, oh, good, this judge is on our side. And then yesterday they hear about how the statute of limitations has passed for 80% of the examples in this case. And they think, wait, I thought that judge was on our side. And then they have to consider Letitia James's incompetence in bringing this case, knowing that the statute of limitations is the most obvious thing imaginable for an attorney general. Wouldn't you think one of the most basic bars that must be crossed in order to bring a case is that how do they work themselves out of this one? The thing about that mindset is they can only look at things in one way. Even if they have differing opinions about something, they always agree on what's underlying. And this is basically just in parallel to what I always say about MSNBC and CNN and Fox News. They are just telling different versions of the same thing, of the same central narrative. And the differences are just their marketing to different groups of people so that those groups of people will argue about those things that they are told and reassured all the time actually divide them. When that all goes away, you quickly realize that normal people are not generally divided by those things. They have their own personal opinions and they don't know well enough. They are humble enough about their beliefs to allow other people to have their personal opinions and not let that be the only thing that matters in life. Those divisions are created by the central narrative and by the propagandists. Once you realize you have most things in common with normal people, despite their messed up viewpoints from your perspective, you can see the real divide. It is the regime against the people. It is the uniparty as the representative in America of that regime against the people. So for these people, when they have already looked at the judge and assumed and thought that the judge was on their side, it makes it very confusing for the judge to do anything that doesn't intentionally and obviously support their side. And by the way, our side's guilty of this sometimes too, because we are all training ourselves out of that mindset to put things on certain sides or certain teams, and then assume they're going to behave according to what we believe that team to be. We need to be judging each individual action and event relative to something stable not relative to how we've decided two teams should be divided. We need to look at what's being done relative to the awakening and relative to the dichotomy between sovereign individuals and sovereign nations against the all-encompassing one-world liberal world order, which is really just global communism. So is the judge good or evil? Don't know. Doesn't matter. All he did so far was admit the blatantly obvious, which is that some of these claims lie outside the statute of limitations. How much credit are we supposed to give him for that? Does Letitia James need all of those claims to succeed? No, she doesn't. 
This is so blatantly weird that it deserves consideration. And we're going to see it come up again and again. This is presenting a really interesting dynamic here. We don't need to know the ultimate answer right now. We need to pay attention to this aspect as the story evolves. If we want to learn what's actually happening here and upon doing that, then be able to understand what that means or what we should do or what the future might look like as it emerges, because that's the whole point of all of this, isn't it? Donald Trump wrote on Truth Social this morning. Judge Engeron has been given false and grossly misleading information about my net worth by a lying and incompetent attorney general, such as Mar-a-Lago being worth $18 million, when in fact the number would be much closer to $1.5 billion, like other properties, including two that were recently sold for numbers many times those that were listed in the financial statements. The New York State Attorney General therefore committed fraud for political and election interference reasons. This case should therefore be dismissed. So Donald Trump is actually turning this around on Letitia James and saying that she has committed fraud through her communications to the court about his financial status. He's saying that she is intentionally misrepresenting his net worth, his financial status, and the value of his properties in order to make him look like a fraud. Now, we went through Donald Trump's deposition yesterday. It could not be more convincing and more obvious that the case from the New York Attorney General's office is preposterous. They have no case on everything they argue. Trump's answers are convincing and complete. If it's outside the statute of limitations, it's outside the statute of limitations. If the banks got their money back, made a profit and had no problem, then there is no harm done. If Donald Trump hired a prestigious outside accounting firm to prepare this statement, and they prepared the statement with a 1.5 page worthless clause that says none of what's in this statement can be taken as the actual values of these properties. These are just our rough estimates. Then there is no case. There is no case. I would imagine that by the end of this week, or certainly by the end of next week, we will begin hearing stories about how Donald Trump might still be guilty based on this or that technicality. We're going to see them start presenting brand new legal arguments to cover up all the problems within the original legal arguments to still paint it to the public like Donald Trump tried to defraud all these banks that he just kept doing business with who got their money back and who actually made a profit on Trump. It makes absolutely no sense. It couldn't possibly make sense to anyone except liars and retards. And it's gotten to the point where it is like that for almost everything we talk about now. It's because all of these stories are reruns. We have heard them again and again and again. We already know what all the baseline truths are. We know what multiple levels of truth within each one of these storylines are. We know the story. And it's not because we're geniuses, although I would argue getting the right answers faster than everyone else is a much more valuable standard of intelligence than IQ. Oh, the science gave us a number. And now that number means you're smart. Hey, no, it doesn't. Can we all just admit that that's bullshit? 
I know plenty of purportedly high IQ people, and many of them are utterly retarded. Getting the right answers faster than everyone else is what smart means. Why would anyone ever try to convince you that anything else in the world could possibly make one smart? But the point is that we know the story. We have seen this story play out before. In fact, we're on our fourth or fifth or sixth rerun. Sometimes we're only on our first or second. But depending on how long you've been awake, you've seen all these stories play out a bunch of times. If you have read Donald Trump's deposition, as I did and as I talked about yesterday, you can know where all the points of attack are because Trump says them. He makes the argument to the lawyer on the other side. He says, you know, you don't have a case here, right? You can't bring a case. Many smart lawyers I've talked to, many other people I've talked to understand that the statute of limitations is there. They say you don't have a case. Okay, that is a point of attack for Donald Trump in the future. He told you in April of 2023, it's in that deposition. Now, I don't know what day that deposition was released because I didn't go back and look. I saw it at the beginning of September. So just a month ago, I hadn't seen it before that. I think that that's when it was released. But looking back, I might be able to find that information was available to me on an earlier timeline and I didn't engage with it. So I didn't know at that time. Had I known at that time, I might have even interpreted events differently by now. So I was behind on that timeline, even relative to my actual self, assuming that I could have had that information prior. And this is why the timeline matters in terms of that information. You can't make the best possible judgment on a given issue if you are well behind on an informational timeline. It's not about genius. It's only about time. But if you read Trump's deposition, you know where all the attack points are. We're going to start hearing about the worthless clause. Maybe we'll start hearing about that one last out of these in Trump's defense. I imagine there will be some rhythm to Trump announcing which elements of his defense have proven successful in court. Yesterday was a very minor, very obvious one. 80% of the case gone like that. Does that matter to Letitia James? I guess we'll see. But the statute of limitations was confirmed. That is one of those little pillars that Trump has now taken out. Great success. He comes out of court and announces it to the world immediately. And of course, all the worshipers of the regime are out there clamoring for a gag order again. And do you see the process here? Do you see how the regime thinks of their system of law? If they did not have Donald Trump, the quote unquote defendant, out there talking about all this stuff for himself, people would never hear about it. It would be a Trump lawyer on one of the cable shows, and there would be maybe one clip that goes around through part of conservative media, not the Ron DeSantis people. They don't really care that much about this injustice because they believe it helps them. Some of them try to message about caring so that they can seem like they are still on our side and not blatantly controlled opposition, though they are. But most of them don't care about it at all. So you just get a little portion of conservative media passing around a clip of one of Trump's lawyers on television talking about how the trial went. And then you would have the rest of media reporting that Trump got absolutely crushed in court, blah, blah, blah. But we're not in that age anymore. We're in the age where Donald Trump comes out and says what happened in court. 
just moments after the trial ends. So he goes out and initiates the narrative. He puts out what happened in court on his terms. It's him saying it right to the people, plain spoken, no bullshit or legal mumbo jumbo, not a CNN reporter telling you what happened and then turning to a legal expert to tell you how Donald Trump is still in very big trouble because of this. Oh, Donald Trump might say that 80% of the case just got tossed out, but that's not true. And even if it were, all we need is 20%. The legal experts come on and tell you how the obvious interpretation is wrong. That's what they're there for, to make it seem to the public like the regime is always correct, always in power, and should always be supported. It's not only that the regime is correct, it's that the regime is correct and you should be happy about it. Donald Trump comes out himself and tells you what's happening himself. It is not filtered through anything else. Letitia James did not give a statement to the press after the trial day yesterday. Only Trump did. He is controlling the narrative and he demands that much attention, which is why he is so obviously a more powerful figure than Ron DeSantis and a more powerful figure than the current fake president, Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't demand the attention of his own supporters. The only people who watch Joe Biden and pay attention to Joe Biden are us. Joe Biden's supporters don't watch or pay attention to him. They don't want to see anything he's done. They just want to read articles about how conservatives were lying about Joe Biden, and they want to know that a Democrat is in charge while they go along with absolutely everything they're told. They want to be given credit for doing the right thing relative to Donald Trump, and then they don't want anything to do with it because they know how bad Joe Biden is. They don't want to follow Joe Biden because then they'd have to admit to themselves how bad Joe Biden is. And Donald Trump is relaying messages to the public at absolutely every opportunity. So far today, he has spoken before court and he has spoken when he walked out for a court recess. Here's the clip from early this morning. Thank you very much. Judge Angoran has been given false and extremely misleading information about my net worth private company nobody's supposed to know my net worth but now everybody is and will and i hope you're impressed we built a great company but he's been given false information misleading information and corrupt information by a very corrupt and incompetent attorney general leticia james this woman is grossly incompetent she ran on the basis i will get trump without knowing anything about me so he's been given this information it's now been proven to be false, such as Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, being worth $18 million, when in fact it's much closer to $1.5 million. And I appreciate very much the officials of Palm Beach calling yesterday and writing and saying that she was very wrong. That's not the way you value the property. So she said it was $18 million. It's $1.5 million. Likewise, we've just recently sold two properties for many times what they were worth, many times what they were worth in the financial statements. And the statements are actually much lower than the actual net worth. She knows that, but she's fraudulent. Because of the fraudulent numbers she's given, many of which, Marlon is just one example. We have other examples that are 
almost as good, in some cases might even be better. This case should be dismissed. This is not a case. And she should probably be dismissed also because she's terrible and grossly incompetent, as I've said. But at a minimum, she should start looking for the murderers and the criminals, the violent criminals all over New York, do something about all of the illegal migrants pouring into our city and state and not spend the next six months in a courthouse because she's been caught early. Her numbers are fraudulent. She's a fraud. Her numbers are fraudulent. And this case should be dismissed. And they ought to get on to violent crime and solving the problems of New York City and New York State. Thank you very much. Mr. President, why did you decide to come? You didn't have- so he actually answered that reporter's question, and we'll talk about that in a second. I'll play that in a second. But consider how effective this is. He's out there telling the country the story. Now, if the mainstream media has a grip on people's attention, if everybody is locked in and addicted to the central narrative, then the TV's version of events is what's going to play. If someone can break that and supersede that and then eventually dominate that, that person's version of events is going to succeed. Donald Trump is giving people his version of events before another story can hit any sort of mass acceptance. Now, Donald Trump also has the advantage of telling the truth, and we can go back and look through the arguments of both sides, and we can support the arguments of one of those sides. It is certainly not the side bringing claims outside of the statute of limitations. For example, it's not the side pretending that Mar-a-Lago is somehow worth $18 million. It's not the side of the woman, Letitia James, who campaigned on the idea that she would get Trump. And of course, we've gone through much of the rest of the Donald Trump argument based on the deposition for this case. The attorneys also know that Donald Trump is going to claim all those things. And isn't it crazy that they still went through with the statute of limitations anyway? But Donald Trump is setting the narrative and people are not locked in and addicted to the central narrative as they used to be. There are fewer worshipers of the authoritative source every day and people are beginning to listen to Trump every day and think, man, is he is he telling the truth about all this stuff? And if he's telling the truth about this stuff, was he telling the truth about the other stuff? I mean, damn, I know he's been right about some things. By the way, liberals are thinking this. Now, it took way too long for them to begin thinking about that, probably in my opinion, in your opinion, and the opinions of people who have been awake for a lot longer than we have, but they are thinking it. That was the lesson I learned in 2020 when Donald Trump was giving the daily COVID press conferences. I'd already woken up to some degree, and I was even telling Hollywood that if Bernie Sanders, the socialist, was the nominee, I would actually vote for Donald Trump under those circumstances before COVID. So that's where I was in that process. Certainly not a Trump hater by any means. I mean, I had Trump supporting friends all the way back before Donald Trump was ever president. But watching him every day in those press conferences and knowing that he was saying correct things about COVID and that he was telling the truth about COVID while the media and the public health community and the science were clearly lying about all of it. And I began to wonder, has Donald Trump been telling the truth the whole time? I mean, these are the people I can see lying. 
They're the people who told me everything bad about Donald Trump and made me think that Donald Trump was terrible. Right now, I can see them lying while Donald Trump is telling the truth. Nothing could be more obvious. So was Trump telling the truth the whole time? People are going through that thought process right now because Donald Trump is controlling the narrative about all of these trials, and he's been doing it the whole time. Donald Trump has announced the raid at Mar-a-Lago. He's announced the upcoming indictments by all of these people. He's announced what the issues are going to be before they become issues. It seems an awful lot like Donald Trump is, if not controlling this process, certainly privy to an incredible amount of inside information that must be coming from somewhere. How is he always so far ahead of these things? There's got to be an answer for that, but that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that he is clearly controlling the narrative. He is setting it effectively. Whether or not he is in control of the process, he clearly has enough inside information to know what's coming in advance. And he's telling us while the other side is never telling us what's going to happen. They just want their media hits and they keep getting ruined by Donald Trump creating a series of false starts that never let them get their narratives going. Can you imagine this process playing out four more times? We still have Alvin Bragg, Jack Smith 1 and 2, and Fannie Willis. You can imagine Donald Trump telling the whole story about each one of these trials on his own to the American public and the American public understanding, oh yeah, I think uh, Trump's right. And people think, oh, but the communists in my life will never accept that. Well, yes, they will. They will accept it as soon as the social incentives and punishment structure align according to their best interests. They are in the party of false decorum. They succeed in life by impressing those more powerful than they are in positions to which they want to ascend. That incentive and punishment structure is flipping over. At some point, it will be more reputationally damaging as it is among us to pretend that Joe Biden actually received 81 million real lawful American votes than it is to say that our elections were stolen. Think about the incentive and punishment structure. Very few of us spoke up on that issue for the entire time. I would imagine that there are people in my audience who don't even speak up on that issue right now just because the incentive and punishment structure was so severe. The incentive to pretend that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes was so good. The punishment for saying otherwise so harsh that people shut up and people still believe that the incentive and punishment structure is the same. It's not. That will become a gauge of whether or not people are willing to lie to support certain political causes or to support their own self-interests within the party of false decorum, which is why I focus so much attention on that one single issue. Is this person willing to claim that they believe Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes? Because if they say yes, that they really believe that, how are you supposed to trust them? Not a single person in the world can prove that claim logically through direct evidence in any way at all. It is a hundred percent, an appeal to authority, an appeal to false authority, and an appeal to that authority 
that you cannot back up even according to that authority. CISA says the election was the safest and most secure of all time. Really? Well, then why did CISA release a statement after reading the J. Alex Halderman report that makes clear that the election systems are not secure? They are vulnerable. They are wide open to manipulation and that they can do all of the things they're accused of. Why did CISA make that statement later if CISA believes the election is the safest and most secure? Now, saying that CISA says that is already an appeal to authority. But when you go to that authority, it turns out that they don't even believe the thing to which you are appealing. People cannot support the claim that they make, which is why they become so hesitant to answer the specific claim. They want to say, yeah, well, I do believe Joe Biden is president because just look, Joe Biden is president. He flies around on Air Force One. People talk about him as president. He puts out these policies. He's commander in chief of the military, which is why everything he does is a disaster. And they will just make the conversation about anything else. The question is, do you personally believe that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. Did he get the most votes of all time and win in overtime? Did he do that? Do you believe that's what happened? And then how would you possibly back that up? It is a perfect litmus test. It has been a perfect litmus test the entire time. If a person is not willing to be honest about that, which they know and that, which they do not know, then something else is going on because in a meritocracy, Saying that you know something and being wrong comes with its own set of punishments. That's what life in the real world is like. But that is not what life in the party of false decorum is like. In the party of false decorum, you repeat the slogans on command. You say the things you know you must say. And if those things prove wrong, despite your assurance to everyone that you are certain beyond doubt, then you are actually rewarded for having been so committed to the cause that maybe you just got this one wrong one time. It is a total inversion of how reality functions. To be right within the party of false decorum is to constantly say that thing which most impresses the people you must impress in order to ascend the rungs of the ladder within the party of false decorum. That's the entire point. That, by the way, is what attention farmers online do. They try to find the position that can get them the most attention and impress the people they want to impress within the party of false decorum. This is how Mike Cernovich forms all his political opinions, for instance. You can see this strategy at play all the time when you understand that Someone is trying to succeed within the party of false decorum and not within a normal meritocracy. They believe they are getting away with it. They believe that the only people who can see what they're doing are irrelevant people. They do not care about the opinions of people lower on the rungs in the party of false decorum than they are. They care only about the people who are on higher rungs than they are. Their goal is to impress those people and in some sense to serve them. So if what they say helps those people, they will get rewarded. That's why those edgy guys are always so committed to the Uniparty, because they want to succeed and excel within the Uniparty. The Uniparty represents the party of false decorum. They'll say Trump's right sometimes. They'll go against feminism and wokeness. They'll be like the Daily Wire guys and produce tons of trans content all day long. 
And then when the chips are down and you actually need to be honest about a really important thing, they will take the uniparty line just as they have done throughout this entire process. Did they support masks and lockdowns? Did they support talking about COVID data endlessly? Did they support the vaccine rollout and tell people to get the vaccines? Did they lie about the fact that our elections are stolen and support the legitimacy of Joe Biden? Did they support Ukraine? Yes, they did absolutely all of it because when the chips were down, they sided with the uniparty. The rest of the time, they are just creating a brand. These people ultimately respond to incentives and punishments within the structure of the party of false decorum, and that is all. So when the incentive and punishment structure flips, their stated opinion will flip. When they realize that calling Trump a liar is actually hurting their prospects for a happy life, whereas before, if you didn't call Trump a liar, you would be harmed socially, they will flip. It seems like we're about to be treated to 13 straight months of that thing happening. All of these opportunities given through this series of reruns for people to finally get it. And at some point, they are going to have to throw their hands up and say, I guess we blew it. We've all been there. If we were asleep and are now awake, then we have been there. And we have to own that. And it is okay to own that. We can understand that people were awake before us and honor that. We can understand that people were awake the entire time and then model ourselves after those people and inquire of them. Hey, how were you raised that produced this result? It is honestly quite strange that so many of them point directly to their religious upbringing as the reason. But what we must do is understand the dynamic here. The loudest voices out there of the regime and the info ops that support those loud voices will continue to get louder and crazier about Donald Trump. And some people out there will still believe that or some version of it that reaches them finally in their ultra polluted information stream. And at the same time, Donald Trump's message will be getting out there faster. It'll spread more widely and it will be more widely accepted. We have already watched this phenomenon occur within ourselves. We do not need to expect that we are at the end of some line or that the process stopped with us or that it somehow ended with COVID. It didn't end. We are just at some point in that stream. We awoke at some point. And things have continued to progress and things will continue to progress as more people continue to wake up and they are and we can know it. Honestly, what does it mean that Donald Trump is able to set the narrative about the trials that are supposed to bring him down and make all of America lose confidence in his ability to lead or to be president again? That's supposed to demoralize all of MAGA. And not only did it not demoralize MAGA. More people are becoming MAGA all the time as a result of what they're seeing. It's because Donald Trump has control of that narrative. He sets it himself. Trump doesn't seem afraid. Are you afraid? When he's out there talking trash about these people all day, selling to America the idea that Letitia James herself is the one who has committed fraud here, that, that idea will probably be fully accepted, I would imagine, because that's what she's doing. She's making knowingly false claims in her court filings, claims that are easily disproven. She's filing things and making claims outside of the statute of limitations. People are going to lose their faith in her immediately. 
Why does anyone have faith in her? Because she's going after big, bad, orange God, Donald Trump? Oh, it's because she's a black woman. Oh, got it. Oh, those are the two arguments. Literally, in liberals' minds, those are the two arguments that mean Letitia James is good at her job. Going after Donald Trump is a black woman. That's it. That is what these people actually believe. They know Donald Trump is a fraud, so she's the one brave enough to expose it. That's something they convince themselves is true, and the TV backs that up to them. Her case couldn't be nothing because they already know that Donald Trump is a fraud. Therefore, Donald Trump being a fraud proves their case, and the case doesn't have to prove that Donald Trump is a fraud. Isn't that amazing? Once you're willing to completely step outside the boundaries of all logic and evidence, and these are the people who claim no evidence, no evidence, no evidence. So the reporter that you may have heard at the end of that first Trump clip asks, why did you come here? You didn't have to come here. And so here's that exchange. So he once again calls Letitia James a fraud, talks about her fraudulent numbers, talks about how the trial is rigged. And then he mentions that the principal clerk in the case, some kind of assistant to this judge has a relationship with Chuck Schumer and that it is a disgrace. And last night he had shared a post on Truth Social that someone else had posted about Schumer's girlfriend, Allison R. Greenfield. There was a post from an account called Judicial Protest that wrote, why is Judge Engeron's principal law clerk, Allison R. Greenfield, palling around with Chuck Schumer? And it linked to her Instagram with a picture of her and Chuck Schumer. So Trump said, Schumer's girlfriend, Allison R. Greenfield, is running this case against me. How disgraceful this case should be dismissed immediately. And so basically what he said there in person, and naturally the liberal media has lost their ever-loving minds over this. Why? Because Schumer is there in a picture with this woman who is sitting next to the judge in this trial. Those are terrible, terrible optics. Even if we were to pretend for a second that we were the sort of oblivious child brains and standard issue villagers who would actually believe there is a scenario where none of this was corrupt, it would still indicate the optics of corruption. Now, there's absolutely no reason to believe that that's even possible in this situation. Of course, it's obvious that things are corrupt, but we're being shown how corrupt it is. The thing is that within the party of false decorum and within the uniparty, Stuff like this is not only accepted, it's expected and it is praised. Therefore, Allison Greenfield can post a picture of herself and Chuck Schumer on Instagram and think everybody's going to applaud her.
She is in a circle of power. She is linked to powerful people that ups her reputation, that ups her standing within the party of false decorum. She receives praise for that sort of thing because in that total inversion, in that false reality, it actually makes sense in a normal empirical observable reality where people believe in a meritocracy and moral action that just looks like corruption while she's then sitting next to the judge who's supposedly overseeing this case against a former president. The quote unquote Senator majority leader is next to this court clerk in pictures and everybody's supposed to pretend that this court clerk is still just doing her job and doing it in an effective and objective manner. This is what we have to pretend about the legal system so that we don't notice there is a two-tiered system of justice. For instance, you can't claim that our legal system is wonderful, that there's no chance we have a two-tiered system of justice, while also featuring a court clerk next to the judge who proudly displays pictures to convince people that she has a relationship with the Senate majority leader of the uniparty left opposition. Someone who hates Donald Trump as much as anyone hates Donald Trump. She is proud of and publicly displaying her relationship with this character. And we are supposed to still pretend that she is objective. Even some of the liars within the party of false decorum who have been lying about all of this for three years cannot bring themselves to defend this. And that, again, is the entire point. That is the incentive structure changing. And the funny thing is, what do they revert to? There's no evidence that she's Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. Okay, well, that's the part of the claim that actually doesn't matter at all. It doesn't actually matter if she's sleeping with Chuck Schumer or not. And that is, yes, gross. I understand. He's like the penguin from Batman, but maybe even worse looking, which is why he's married to a little man that's even worse looking than that. Or woman, or woman, totally. I mean, looks like a man, but woman, that's fine, fine. It's definitely a woman. It's definitely a woman. We don't need to argue about that. But that's not the part of the claim that matters at all. Whether or not she is Chuck Schumer's girlfriend, the case is proven without it. And Chuck Schumer's girlfriend is the spoonful of sugar. It is the delivery mechanism that makes this claim viral. It is what makes it so that everyone sees the picture of Chuck Schumer and this woman together. It's on her Instagram. She's proud of it. That communicates the full message. It doesn't matter if people are like, oh, I can't believe Trump said that. She's not his girlfriend. How could he ever imply something so demeaning? That doesn't matter at all. They've already gotten the medicine. That's the point. And so let's take a look at how these deranged communists are responding to all of this. This is raw story today. Trump targets New York law clerk with new conspiracy theory about fraud trial. Donald Trump put a target on a New York law clerk with a conspiracy theory suggesting Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is dating her and is rigging the fraud case against the former president. So again, it doesn't matter whether or not he's dating her, but look at the tactic here. And this tactic has been repeated widely online, enough so that I have seen it just in the natural course of my conversations. They are claiming that Donald Trump is looking to get this law clerk assassinated. That MAGA is going to go out and hunt down this law clerk and kill her. They actually still believe this nonsense. 
They have been claiming that about everyone Donald Trump has mentioned in the last eight years, and it has not happened, but they still do it because what they're trying to do is change the punishment structure. If you say that Allison Clerk and Chuck Schumer are political allies and that she might not be able to act in an objective manner in this case, you are basically asking MAGA to go kill this woman. That's absolutely insane. But that is the potential punishment to be levied within the party of false decorum. Now, some of them won't find that convincing and they won't use that against you when you say, hey, isn't it a problem that this law clerk in this supposedly objective court is clearly proud of her relationship with the Senate minority leader? Isn't that a problem? And they say, oh, you're going to get this lady killed. Now, that means if you're going to agree with Trump that maybe this is a problem, you're looking to get this lady killed. You're basically murdering this lady. And everyone remembers this from all through 2015 and 2016. This is what they used to always claim when Trump was exposing someone on their side, something they didn't want people to know. He was exposing how the system really works. They would say that he is putting real people in danger. There's a real threat of violence here. No, there's not any threat of violence here. There is no reason in the world to believe that MAGA is concerned with this corrupt law clerk. She can be dealt with down the road years from now through purely legal means because either she is corrupt and has broken laws and supported the usurpation of this country, or she has not. This lady isn't the problem. This lady doesn't matter. What matters is the exposure of the fact that this is how it works. Trump is showing everyone that this is another example of that. They don't believe this lady is going to be killed. They just don't want people to know that the system works this way. So by exposing this law clerk and her reverence for Chuck Schumer, Donald Trump, we are told, has put a target on the back of this lady. Trump claimed Tuesday, without citing any evidence, that Allison Greenfield, the principal law clerk to New York Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engeron, was the girlfriend of Schumer and accused her of somehow directing the $250 million fraud case filed against him by New York Attorney General Letitia James. And you have to love how they just slightly reframe things so that it sounds like Trump is suggesting that she birthed this entire case, that she was the creator of this case, that she instructed Letitia James to bring these charges. That's not what Trump said. He said, she is running this case. Could he have meant she was doing most of the technical legal work under this judge and helping to prepare this judge and frame this judge's mindset about issues? Yeah, that's probably what he meant. We don't need to just give the most damaging to Trump possible interpretation of what Trump says and then just pretend that's what he meant. They've been doing that Four years. And even some of those standard issue villagers out there are probably realizing that. Why do they always just invent Trump's meaning? And why is it always the thing that would make Trump look the worst if that's what he meant? Why is it absolutely always that interpretation in every single possible scenario? And why never any other possible interpretation? 
only the interpretation that most damages Trump. Isn't it amazing? How is it that that always happens? Trump posted a link to Greenfield's Instagram account, which is set to private, but purportedly contained a photo of herself posing in public with Schumer. According to a post by Judicial Protest, a low follower account on X. This is utter communist derangement. Her profile is set to private. Oh, so her privacy was violated by someone getting this picture. No, someone who followed her saw this picture, sent the link out. The picture is exactly that. Or she made her account private after this went out because other people were certainly able to see it. None of that disputes that the picture is real. None of that disputes what is shown in the picture, even though they say purportedly contained a photo of herself posing in public with Schumer. That's not purported. That's what's there. And then they say a low follower account on X as if the number of followers indicates whether or not the claim is true. Oh, you can't believe it because it's not one of those accounts with high followers. I mean, I've got almost 30,000 at this point. When do I get to be considered telling the truth? Am I too low follower compared to someone who has a million? Are they right where I am wrong because they have a million? Kurt Schlichter has like 450,000. His account's about 15 times bigger than mine, but his engagement barely beats mine, even with 15 X the followers. And he just goes on there and lies about Ron all the time. Which one of us should be the authoritative source by this standard of followers? It's absolute nonsense. But just in that one paragraph, they present three different ways for the child brains in their readership to dismiss these claims, even though the claim is 100% true. Let's read this again. Trump posted a link to Greenfield's Instagram account, true, which is set to private. How does that matter? But purportedly contained a photo of herself posing in public with Schumer. Not purportedly, definitely. According to a post by judicial protest, a low follower account on X. So it's set to private. That means Trump must have invaded her privacy purportedly contained. No, it definitely contained and a low follower account on X. So the appeal to authority doesn't even exist, but they are making it like it matters who gave you this information. They are using an appeal to authority to try to trip people's brains into the habit they always engage in and then tell them this is not the sort of authority you can trust. You only trust the authoritative source. You don't trust sources like these. This person could have totally made this picture up. All of this could be fake. And because we're telling you that that could be possible, you should assume that it is possible and then side with us. These people are lunatics, but they just keep going. That account has just 143 followers, including Trump senior advisor, Jason Miller, and has posted frequently about Greenfield, who is mulling a run for Manhattan civil court judge. Isn't that amazing? She's going to run for political office after the great job she does in this trial. That's the plan. That is what you are being told right now. You are welcome to refuse to see it. You are welcome to say, there's no evidence. There's a connection there. There's no evidence that she's going to use this trial as a political springboard. Yeah, there is. This is the evidence. People want to pretend that the process is legitimate, that all processes are legitimate the way they were described to us. But we know better. 
We know the process is illegitimate. That means that the corruption and the favor is what is then presented with a reward. And when we know that the elections are stolen, the reward and the job become quite clear. This is this person's job. She will do what the regime asks in the scope of this trial. And for doing that, she will be awarded this job. That is a direct connection that everyone can see in broad daylight unless you are the sort of person who wants to pretend that all of this is legitimate, all of it is real, all of it just goes according to how it should among these very principled people. Why would anyone believe that? At this point, why would anyone believe that? And as soon as you let go of that preposterous notion, hey, maybe I'll even grant that there are exceptions. There are times where the process does function properly and does produce proper, meritocratic, morally justifiable outcomes. Okay. It's not corrupt every time. There is no reason to argue that something is not corrupt when there is evidence that it could be. This is a time of sifting and separation through discernment. If there is an indication that corruption might be present, corruption should be assumed until proven otherwise through actions related to standards that are objective that we hold. Actual litmus tests, not team affiliations. She is going to run for political office on the basis of what she did in going after Trump and going after MAGA. That's what you're being told. Understand the situation as it exists. These are the facts Trump is calling to light. He is calling them to light for a reason. It's not because he likes spreading baseless conspiracies and she doesn't need to be his girlfriend to understand any of this. That is the point. You are getting to see the process in the open. If you want to determine that none of this is a problem and that it's all fine in your opinion, you are welcome to do that. If you want to give her the benefit of the doubt, go right ahead. But at least if you're going to do that, you know the scenario. How in the world would any of us have found out about this 15 years ago? Was the regime media just going to come out and find that picture of her on Instagram with Chuck Schumer and then tell us that there might be a problematic relationship behind the scenes? Well, there's no way in hell that would have ever happened and everyone knows it. Trump ranted against anger on Monday, calling him a rogue judge who should be disbarred and face criminal charges. The judge has faced a wave of violent and anti-Semitic threats since ruling last week that the attorney general had proved the former president and his adult sons had committed fraud. And of course, that is not what happened. The attorney general did not prove the president and his sons committed fraud. All that matters is the underlying fact. Did Donald Trump commit fraud? Yes or no. The attorney general did not prove that. That judge agreeing with the attorney general still does not prove the truth or falsity of that underlying statement. And knowing that all of this will be appealed no matter what, the idea that we can say anything concerning the truth or falsity of the underlying issue based on one of the judge's decisions is insane, but that's how they want to frame it. They will always confirm what people believe. Donald Trump is a fraud. Donald Trump is a proven fraud. They'll just keep saying it. You will believe it. And again, 
violent and anti-Semitic threats against this judge. Again, this is a claim they've made the entire time. All the evidence, in quotes, they need to make these claims is some posts on X, formerly Twitter, or any other social media site. If someone says anything about the Jews related to Angeron, or anyone says something bad should happen to this judge, like that he be imprisoned for violating the law, for instance, then the threats are violent and anti-Semitic. Therefore, they can report the threats as violent and anti-Semitic, even though they may be from bot Twitter accounts or people's sock accounts, or they could just be generating these tweets themselves. But they put this out there to tell people there is a punishment structure in place if you don't go along with the story. And this stuff isn't primarily about silencing conservatives, these sorts of threats. This stuff is about silencing other liberals because they all understand that they will hear these ideas and then repeat them. And then someone in their circle, some other standard issue villager will actually believe this and then punish them with it. Did you know that this judge was receiving violent anti-Semitic threats because of Trump's statements about him? Trump is spreading misinformation and all his followers are spreading it too. And now they're making violent anti-Semitic threats against this judge. Is that what you want to be part of? No, I didn't think so. There are some really weak-willed child brains out there who understand the threat of being treated that way and will do whatever they can to avoid it. Now, why do they understand the threat? Because they treat other people that way too. They do not want to be exiled from the party. They do not want to be cast aside and lumped in with the other people, us. So they just continue to repeat the slogan with no end in sight. And let's just close this out with raw story. Here's how their article ends. Others involved in court cases and prosecutions against Trump, including grand jurors and witnesses, have also been hit by threats after the former president identified them on social media. So they've all gotten threats. Now, nothing has ever happened to any of them, which would lead one to believe that the threats probably weren't real. But after eight years, they continue to tell us about them. Why? Because that's still effective. The incentive and punishment structure on that claim has not flipped yet because the emotional impact of the claim is too high. Do you want to get someone killed? That's what they say. That's how they treat this claim. It's basically the same as if it saves just one life, it's worth it. When they're talking about masking kids, they don't have to believe the underlying claim that masks are capable of saving lives. They can be totally ignorant to the truth that masks are actually deleterious. They damage the health of the very children they're being said to protect. They can understand all of that stuff and still support putting masks on children based on the argument that if it saves just one life, it will have been worth it, but it can't save lives and it can actually harm lives. But if it saved just one life, it will have been worth it. The problem is they can't get themselves out of that one because they know that the people at the top of the ladder in the party of false decorum are the ones telling us that argument. That argument trickles down all the way from the authoritative source and finally reaches us and people repeat it. If it saves just one life, it will all have been worth it. And they can't argue their way out of that, not without violating the standards of the party of false decorum. So they accept the notion 
And then they try to convince themselves that somehow it's actually true. And they'll begin formulating arguments about why it must be true because they don't want to think of themselves as liars. And they will eventually find themselves repeating this slogan that they know not to be true. It's all about the incentive because the punishment is you want to kill children. You're willing to risk children dying from this very deadly pandemic. And because they're able to consistently bring that kind of emotional weight and that emotional punishment to bear on people, we as a society end up supporting the very policy that actually puts kids in danger. It's utterly insane, but they can't stop doing it. And they use it for everything. They use it for this. They say, if you point out these obvious things about this judge and about his clerk and her relationship with Chuck Schumer, then you are putting both their lives at risk and it's anti-Semitic for the judge. And Raw Story hasn't let us know yet whether it's anti-Semitic for the clerk as well, who is named Allison Greenfield. So you got to figure, yeah, it's probably anti-Semitic for her too. So consider what these first 30 hours or so of Trump trials has shown us. It's shown us that Donald Trump is in full control of the public narrative and the public conversation about all of this. He is setting the tone of the story the entire time. He is forcing the media to cover him on his terms. People are understanding this story on his terms. People will quickly understand that Donald Trump is telling a verifiable version of the story while the media is constructing a false reality relative to this case. Now, again, the child brains aren't going to realize that. That's fine. We don't have to worry about them. The only thing that matters is the story that is being accepted by society at large, and that is Donald Trump's story. The story is breaking through the central narrative bubble. They are no longer able to protect their hold on the narrative, which means they are no longer able to protect their hold on the public consciousness. Once their grip has been broken, then people are free to engage with the empirical observable reality and free to think on their own about that reality as it emerges. These aren't small problems within the justice system that people are being exposed to at this point. Letitia James directly lied about the value of Mar-a-Lago. It cannot possibly be $18 million. And they're trying to destroy Trump's businesses over that verifiable lie that, by the way, has already been disproven by an actual subject matter expert in court. This is one of those times where everybody just pretends that Donald Trump, because he is kind of audacious and loud and he just says things that somehow he's making it all up or his words don't carry any weight. He's right. He's telling everybody that he's right. And then people realize as things play out that he's right. He says that Peekaboo James is fraudulently misrepresenting the values of his properties and other things. Her numbers are fraudulent, he says. It has already been confirmed by the judge that some of her claims are outside the statute of limitations. And now he has shown the world that the law clerk is proud of having her photo taken with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who is as in opposition to Donald Trump as anyone could possibly be. And that is known even by the child brains in the uniparty left. 
the entire regime narrative on this storyline is blowing up in their faces and blowing up as a result of Donald Trump and Trump's side being able to control the public narrative about this event. It's pretty cut and dry. There aren't other explanations for this. This is what is happening. This is what we are seeing in trial number one. And we're going to have four more of these. I really do think we're going to get about 13 months of this pattern repeating constantly. Donald Trump tells us the story about this corruption in very small sound bites, very clearly spoken. This is what this is. Then we watch the story play out and we're like, oh, yeah, he's right. This is what that is. And people will recognize Donald Trump is telling us the truth about this situation while the media is lying to us. And we've seen this before. In fact, we've seen this quite a lot at some point. They're going to realize that maybe Trump wasn't lying this entire time. Maybe Trump's been telling the truth the entire time. And once that thought happens, the game is basically won. And we are going to see that a whole lot in the future. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to us about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com. And you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!